JT the Brick. We're trying to help the Raider fans get through these issues that they can't get through. And they just blame me, some of them, because they think, like, I hired the guys. JT's the guy who moved us from Oakland. JT's the guy who brought in Jimmy G. No, I'm not. I'm just a guy on the microphone from noon to two every day. And now, be ready. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT, good to be back in Vegas. Ready to roll today, Monday, a beautiful day. Got a double shift today, today and four to seven tonight on Sirius XM. So I got five hours of radio in the next, what, seven or eight hours. And you're the first to hear me as I'm back from my son's graduation in Oklahoma over the weekend. I got my mom and dad in town. Uh, nice weekend. I'm excited and a big week ahead. It's Coaches vs. Cancer Week. Last night I kicked it off as the MC of the Coaches vs. Cancer pool party outside there at the Park MGM at the pool with a whole bunch of Division One. Coaches in town, I'll help out tomorrow, uh, golfing tomorrow. I could have golfed two days, but i got to be here Monday to go over the Raiders' schedule and the Golden Knights winning, and then we have a little Aviators preemption coming up on Wednesday. So uh, get a hold of me today would be a good thing to do. As the weather is hot, uh, DeMond's in for Bobby today, and i got a lot to talk about, a lot to talk about, and I'd like to hear from you to react to anything that happened in sports over the weekend, anything that happened. I'm no longer doing a Vegas show. I told that to my bosses. It's no longer a Vegas show. I can't survive doing a Vegas show. I got the best Vegas partners in town. You know that. The biggest and the best are on this show the most. I've been lucky to do that because I've been on a little bit longer than most, but uh, I can't survive doing Vegas radio. I need to do, like, national radio. I need this show because it's on in the Bay Area, L.A., it's on in Miami. You can hear it in Detroit, in New York. So I got to get everybody involved in the Raider Nation. I cannot wait just for Vegas Raider fans on the 215 or, or on one of these freeways downtown to, to interact with me. It won't work. So I'm going to just go big. It's a national Raiders show every day. The whole Raider Nation is invited. But I want to open up. I want to open up with the Golden Knights today and dive into what just happened as they are in the conference finals and I'm thrilled to talk about that. They are in the conference finals, and that is amazing as we open up the show. Uh, Darren Elliott, uh, kind enough to join us from the Knights broadcasting team. What a great job he does. And Darren, thanks for a few minutes, man. This is a dream come true for all hockey fans in Vegas. Again, a deep trip deep into the playoffs and now home ice in the conference finals. How do you feel about this? Did you see this happening? You know, it's uh, as the season unfolded, and JT, thanks for having me on. It's, it's actually an honor to, to be representing the team going to the conference final. Um, been yes. around the game a long time. It, it's uh, you can never take it for granted, and I think that that sentiment um, permeated this locker room. Um, last year was it was a, a difficult one on a lot of levels, emotionally taxing. They changed coaches. Um, they changed a little bit of philosophy, but they didn't change. The room that much but the room changed and uh, I think you're seeing a lot of those kinds of things um, you know aid them in winning um, as, as we saw them eliminate Edmonton last night in just textbook fashion 
It was amazing that they eliminated Edmonton and so many pundits and experts, former players like yourself, nationally had Edmonton as the favorite to win. We knew all about Edmonton's power play and how great they right. were, but for Marcia so to get a natural hat trick, and that's kind of like Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid having a moment. He might have he had the biggest moment in the series because it was a natural hat trick closing out a series to get to the conference finals. What worked in Edmonton? Because I was I was concerned they were going back into the belly of the beast when they had to go back to Edmonton and go back there again, and they really took control of that building. They really did. Um, you know, I think it's it's a different philosophy, right? Bruce Cassidy rolls four lines. We we hear that term a lot. So he uses his depth. He uses his third pairing on the defense of of Nick Haig and Zach Whitecloud. It's so you then you look at Edmonton. They have the two best players, arguably, in the game. The coach chose to uh, Jay Woodcroft play them on separate lines, play them together, play them on the penalty kill, play them on the power play. That's a completely different team dynamic. You're going to win and lose based on what those guys do, and your depth players never really have a role. They're really out there to make sure that the other two guys, McDavid and Dreisaitl, get a rest. Completely different dynamic. I've been on teams in both situations, and right now you have somebody – that feels like they can contribute at any time, like a Jonathan so versus an Edmonton Oilers team that sits around and waits for minutes instead of knowing what their role has been all season well identified. Uh, this is truly an amazing... Darren Elliott's our guest, part of the Vegas Golden Knights broadcast team. Darren, I think the coach needs so much credit for our new audience here and uh, other fans that are coming over who are used to sticking ball sports. You know, Cassidy leaves. He leaves Boston when he took him about as far as you could go. And again, as you know, coaches are scapegoats. I mean, Gerard Gallant shouldn't have been let go by the Rangers. Coaches get fired. You could argue Peter DeBoer deserved to stay here longer there. And he comes here and and he goes farther than the Boston Bruins who wanted to get rid of the coach because they thought they couldn't accomplish a goal. And Cassidy had this team ready in every aspect of the postseason. You're going to go up and down, and they had great games and back-to-back wins in the regular season. But you make your hay in the postseason, and I love the way he has managed this roster mentally and physically, time off, bringing players up, mixing and matching the lines, making some changes. Talk about the coach and what Bruce Cassidy has done that's really been a difference to you as a former player. Well, he sure does give good information at, at the podium. Yes. He, he doesn't, he does, as you know, JT, most guys are secretive, like, like it's, uh, you know, r- really high level and, and, and sophisticated. He's honest. Um, he tries to, and he does a really good job of talking about the technical side and the mental side and doesn't really hide anything. Um, I, I find that so refreshing. Never seen it uh, handled that way. Um, so, so he's been fantastic from that standpoint, from a media standpoint. In terms of what I've noticed um, in, in tracking and following the team this season and working with them is his understanding. He, he was a player, a, a really good player, um, had a career shortened by, by injuries, a high-level defenseman, uh, could skate, could, could play on the offensive side of things, and he understands – opportunity he doesn't he doesn't uh romanticize it but he understands the player coming up opportunity do you take that opportunity he's willing to give the guys coming up from the ahl 
uh, an opportunity and whether they grab it or not is up to them. So he, he really understands that bottom piece. But more than that, he understands that the elite guys, he has, you know, he and Jack Eichel have butted heads all, but in a positive way about what do we do in the power play? Do you want to be on the left side? Do you want to be on the right side? But one thing he's done with Jack Eichel is, has used Patrice Bergeron, one of the best defensive centermen um, of, of his era. He's used his name a lot to spur Jack Eichel onto a quote unquote 200 foot game. And Jack Eichel is playing great hockey. He's, he's fitting in exactly the way you need him to, to be the, uh, as your lead guy. But beyond that, you have Petrangelo. You have Marcia. So You have lots of character and lots of, and I wouldn't say stubborn, but maybe a little bit stubborn guys who are set in their ways. Mm-hmm. But he knows that it, uh, successful teams, the locker room rules. If the locker room, hold them accountable. But if they run their own locker room, you're really close to having a championship caliber team. Darren Elliott's our guest, part of the Vegas Golden Knights. Great broadcast team, one of the best in all of hockey. Darren, I think it's interesting, the penalty that Petrangelo took, uh, yeah. some of the chippiness and rough play from Edmonton. I thought Edmonton realized the only way they were going to win is they were going to try to intimidate and they were going to try to trash talk and do whatever they could to just get under the skin of VGK because they're a big, tough team and you know, I got a couple of players that are a little bit on edge there. And I thought they tried to provoke Vegas into a few penalties because at one point they had a 56% power play <laughs> advantage there. They were out of their minds. What changed? What happened? Because the Petrangelo penalty was a big one. But other than that, the discipline, it's tough to play and skate and play that fast against Dreisaitl and especially Connor McDavid and not have a slash or a trip or cause a penalty, especially when the coaches and the media and the fans are saying, stay the hell out of the box. I was tweeting it the whole series. Stay out of the box because McDavid and Dreisaitl can't play every shift, and Vegas is deeper and better. What was the key to playing under control these last couple of games, especially the elimination game? Again, that that veteran um, awareness of that group uh, that you have to be – you have to be cognizant of the fact that you can't, don't want to put them on the power play for obvious reasons. The reasons you just talked about, J, JT, but, but realistically, you can't change your approach. They're a good forechecking team. They, they have what's called heavy sticks. They like to win those battles in the corners, along the boards with a heavy stick. So you're, you're, you're more prone to those kinds of, of infractions. Um, but again, all season long, even playing that style, they were the least penalized team in the National Hockey League. So they've had that discipline and that style all season long. Yeah, you had some blips in the series, um, but in the, in the when it mattered most, I think Edmonton won the power play uh, maybe but one time. Okay, i got to look ahead because we have the Stars going up against the Kraken, and the Kraken yeah. are trying to do something that Vegas did in year one, going to the Stanley Cup. What's the difference between these two teams? For the Vegas Golden Knight fans tonight, wanting the matchup when it comes to size, speed, coaching, and everything. Again, I, I know as a broadcaster you don't want to make big, bold, like out, of the, out of your mind predictions when there's a game in progress, but what, what should we look forward to tonight now that Vegas has a little extra rest and can sit back and watch these two teams play? Well, Seattle, I think if you're the Vegas fans, you're, you're going to see uh, uh, a team that's reminiscent, reminiscent of the Misfits, very much uh, chip on your shoulder, roll four lines, skate, um, relentless, uh, get some good play from the back end. Um, That's how they've played all season long. They've been 
know, very much like the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights of this edition in terms of truly relying on their depth um, and, and rolling it out that way game after game after game. Dallas, on the other hand, they have some uh, you know, high-level guys. You've know, you got Robertson scored 50 goals. Um, you've got guys you've, you've recognized their names in, in, in Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, uh, Rupe Hintz. If you don't know his name, you should. Um, so they've got uh, Miro Haskin on, on the back end. Uh, and in goal, Jake Ottinger is really going to come probably down to him. He's, he's one of the best young goaltenders, young being under 25 goaltenders in the NHL, but he's been hooked a couple of times in the series. Uh, can he wash it out and uh, you know, deliver a performance like uh, Aiden Hill did uh, in Edmonton last night? All right, Dan, as we wrap this up, I, I really am trying to connect. I've been a little bit over the top on this. I'm, I'm frustrated as a broadcaster because I want Vegas. I want Vegas to pretend to be a better hockey town. We're a young hockey town with a yeah. lot of transplants that are good. But, you know, if I'm hosting this show in Detroit, which you know familiar, if I'm hosting it in Montreal or New York, I got nine, nine lines full before I get in here behind, my, behind the microphone. I need this town through you to understand what's at stake here in the global world of hockey around the world, on how fortunate Vegas is to have home ice, to have this weather, to have casinos and restaurants and bars right right outside the Sheba Plaza. What should we be doing here? I can't do it all. What can I do to get these fans to understand this is epic, this is unbelievable. Fans in Toronto, fans in Calgary, wish they had the opportunity to do what we're going to do the next two, three weeks. You think of, uh, you have to embrace it um, yes. locally because this is the fourth time to the final four. And think of it in those terms, um, conference final in six seasons. And a couple of those seasons were muddied up, as we know, by, by pandemic uh, circumstances that made things a little wonky. So, so you have always had a team that was capable of getting there and they've done it four times now. So, so we are really blessed that from that standpoint. I just had, I've been in this kind of market before, you know, a, a newer market, if you will, a warm weather market. When I twelve years with the Atlanta Thrashers, yeah, they won four, they won fourteen games their first year, fourteen. So there, there's there's a lot of stories littered around the hockey landscape, the sports landscape, where your team doesn't uh, win, doesn't really have a chance. And like you said, in in a place like how about the country of Canada? They haven't won the Stanley Cup since 1993. Yeah, that's thirty years. So, so enjoy it, embrace it, and uh, let's hope that this year is uh, number one for uh, for Vegas. Hey, thanks a lot. You do a great job on the broadcast and the entire broadcast team and what we put together here. Is there anything you could share with us again about the transition on television and what's going to be happening here? Because we got the flagship radio station here in our building, as you know, at Lotus, yeah. on how this is going to evolve and more and more fans can get involved going forward. I, I don't know much about it. What can you tell us? Well, it, it, it's uh, going to be over the air, mm-hmm. um, and, and so... From that standpoint, everybody's going to have access to it. So from a distribution standpoint, it's like going back in time, JT. You guys, you like myself, we've been in this business a long time, and you went from like over-the-air distribution of sports teams um, to like small regional, like smaller uh, local um, SRNs, if you will, and then you went to the big regional distribution. Um, That seems to have come all the way back to, okay, let's do some over-the-air distribution and then have some kind of direct-to-consumer or streaming um, aspect to it as well. So it's going to be great for Vegas fans, not just 
not just here in the Valley, but uh, an extended region mm-hmm. uh, with, with Scripps Broadcasting. So we're looking forward to it. Everybody's uh, uh, signed up and back on board from our broadcast team, and, and thank you for the, the kind uh, yeah. the kind words. I think, it, I think the team here is unbelievable, both on the ice uh, and in front of the cameras. Thanks, Darren. Good to talk to you. I'll see you in the building. Appreciate you. Like, you bet. You bet. Like, you got it. Darren Elliott joining us from the broadcast team. He's got a big role behind the scenes and on air. And I appreciate him coming on. And, again, uh, this was crazy. Last night, coaches versus cancer, Lon Kruger, Matt Painter, you know, uh, Roy Williams, head coach of North Carolina, were all sitting around watching the Vegas Golden Knights as the event's going on. So I am seated. I started it and I ended it. And there was about 40 minutes in between Sean Farnham from ESPN, DJ Allen. You know, they're interviewing oncologists. They're interviewing coaches. And I'm sitting in this cabana watching the game. Very interesting how when you're watching a presentation going on, but, you know, you're in the back and you're watching the game and everybody you could see in the crowd. I don't take it personally. I could care less. People in the crowd on their phones, you know, looking. You could just see. And then Vegas goes up 4-2, the empty net 5-2. And I sat there, and I was talking to DJ Allen from X's and O's of Success. DJ's one of the great guys in town. He's a made man, connected with everybody. His daughter, Bailey, who graduated Oklahoma with my son, she actually graduated early. She's so super smart. She's part of the Vegas Golden Knight team. She has a big job with the team, and she's young. And I'm talking to him about this. I'm so proud of your daughter, and he was proud of my son for graduating, and she's moving on with the Golden Knights to the conference finals. And where we were hosting this was right at Park MGM, where you look up, we're on the fourth floor, and you look up and you see the Cosmopolitan over us, an aria over us. And I got on the microphone and I told everybody just to look up. Just look up for a minute. It was the most gorgeous setting. We got a conference final team. We have an NFL team. You have F1 roaring down the strip. Two NASCAR races. I'm going to boxing this weekend. The Lomachenko fight is in Vegas this weekend, and we got the Raider Nation. So with all of this happening, man, just Vegas is pumping right now. Absolutely pumping. And I think this radio show, without giving away koozies and bandanas, got to elevate and be a little bit more loud, a little bit more intense. We got a chance to win a Stanley Cup. The Aces just won their championship. The Raiders are trying to build something special and sustainable. And this is happening in our city. And if you're listening in another city, you don't have to jump in on the bandwagon. You don't. But at least acknowledge us. I'm going to talk about the Lakers today, along with this idiot John Morant and what he did and some other topics here. But overall, you know, I've been doing this. It's kind of summer, so I'm kind of full of crap. I'm going to be taking off a lot in the summer because I work six days a week, six days a week during the NFL season. So I can need some time away. You know, my parents are in town this week. Got some things going on. But in general, I think that the town now, we have one of these flip the switch moments where everybody needs to flip the switch. Because if you're sitting at home watching the conference finals or the Stanley Cup finals, you need friends. And we're going to help you get friends. We're going to tell you where the parties are. PTs, the best happy hour in town. Shout out to PTs. They fuel the monologue. They got a watch party for you every night. Five to seven, midnight to two, half price drinks. Bring 10 or 15 of your friends. Get out of the house. Go to a bar. Go to a viewing party. Go outside in someone's backyard and watch this. And get behind it because it's May into June. You know, it's a slow time, but it's not a slow time for me. We like to go fast. So the brunt of the show today, because that was my only guest, we might have Albert Hall from NBA Summer League coming up as we want to sell tickets for that. I love that event. I got about an hour and a half 
for Raider fans to call me on the schedule. I have not gone on record with it. I came on with Harry. Harry sat in with me, but uh, that was before I had my bucket of Modellos. I was outside. It was windy. I didn't, I didn't have the schedule really in front of me. I want to do that the rest of the way. So dial up here. I want members of the Black Hole. I want members of every Raider fan base out there to tell me what they think of the schedule. And the schedule, the way we do these shows, because I haven't had a chance to do one yet, and today's going to be the day. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay, that isn't low-hanging fruit. That's actually good radio when it comes to the schedule. What's the good part of the schedule? What's the bad part of the schedule? And what's the ugly part of the schedule? You can go over all three categories, or you can just pick one of those categories. There's no crying in scheduling. There's no whining in scheduling. Okay, I do enough of it. Because I think the league is out to get us. I'm a season ticket holder. But as I told Harry the other day, I love the primetime games. Who do you know on the radio, anywhere on God's green earth, complain more than I did last year about not having national games? It infuriated me. Right? They're flexing out of us. They don't give us this. And then they give us our last two games when they probably knew they weren't going to matter. Last year, everybody in Vegas knew that the Raiders weren't going to make the playoffs. Right? The season total, they gave you that. And, and they gave us Kansas City, San Francisco and Kansas City at home late in the year when technically there was a good chance those games wouldn't have mattered. And they didn't matter. They mattered to Kansas City and San Francisco. To us, it was like, well, maybe we can knock them off. I don't care about being a spoiler. I want to win a championship. So last year they gave us the double whammy. They said, we're not going to give you really anything nationally. And then we're going to give you our best two games, the last two games, when you might not be in the playoffs and those other teams are going to have fans coming into your building, buying your tickets because they're in the playoffs. So I had a lot to complain about last year on this show. I had a lot to complain about because I was one of the last ones out of the building every home game when if the Raiders won or lost. And, you know, I had to deal with those fans. How to see those fans walk by me in the Modelo Lounge. And I had to do an hour post-game sitting there if the Raiders came off a loss and they only won six games. So what I wanted to see the most in this schedule, because I don't know when there's going to be an Ed Sheeran concert, wink, wink. I don't know when we're going to get kicked out of our own building for a concert, which I don't mind because I love concerts. You want to give me Metallica and the Rolling Stones and kick me out and make the Raiders go on the road an extra week? I'm good with that. I like concerts because I'm going to them. But the point is, the good for this schedule, the, the great, is the home nationally televised games, home games, and the national schedule. The bad? We open up with two on the road. Oh, my God. Open up in hostile environments. I don't care what you think of Denver. Denver's got Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. They will be fixed. They will be fixed at some level. That's a tune-up. That's sending your car into a shop to be tuned up for four months. Believe me, they're going to get it right in four months, not four hours. So we open up on the road. Okay, so that's kind of the bad. I don't see a lot of ugly. I don't. The tough part of the schedule for me is going to be the Jets at home on Sunday night, at the Dolphins, a lot of travel, Kansas City, obviously on Christmas, and then the bye week is too late for me. The bye week in week 13 is atrocious. You want that bye week in week 7 to 9. You don't want it in week 13. Unless you're Kansas City, yeah, unless you're Kansas City and you're Kansas City and you're going to be a team that needs the bye week late because you're going to make the playoffs and you can use the bye week late. 
702-365-9200. Again, Raider fans, what do you love about the schedule? Where can the Raiders go out and pick up steam and win a lot of games? There's a lot of playoff teams on the schedule. I mean, Pittsburgh's the home opener. They're no joke. Chargers made the playoffs. You get them twice. Kansas City won the Super Bowl. You get them twice. Minnesota went to the playoffs. The Giants went to the playoffs. I mean, Detroit, everybody's praising Detroit as being an up-and-coming team. Are they up-and-coming? Yeah, I think they're up-and-coming, but I'll never sit behind this microphone and be worried about Detroit. I'm not going to be worried about Detroit. I'm worried about Kansas City at Kansas City. I'm not worried about Detroit. Chicago, New England, Green Bay. I like the Green Bay game. I think they're kind of in a transition. So there's some games here where the Raiders can get on a roll. And again, I want to hear from you now. The show started 24 minutes ago, 702-365-9200. Ron and Henderson, start us off, Ron. What do you think of the schedule? Hey, JT. Um, yeah, I think the first four games out of the gate are going to be, you know, pretty tough, you know, those, especially if those, those two home away games. Uh, you know, you got an improved Broncos team that I think is going to be, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, more equipped to uh, take another loss from the Raiders because we've got to keep that streak alive. Well, the problem, the, the problem with that is, let me stop you. I don't uh, know how I know the scheduling conflicts with the stadium, but right. that game should be home. We oh, should yeah, be no, opening no, at home against Denver and then on the road against Buffalo. We shouldn't be on the road against both of those teams. It makes the Denver game much more difficult opening up on the road. I'd rather play a really good team, a really good team on the road early because you might catch them sleeping. Denver, De- Raiders are better than Denver. That's only going to be an advantage to Denver getting the Raiders early in the season. Yeah, 100%. I don't know who booked that schedule for the for this concert, but uh, I don't know. Somebody needs to you know, ride the bench or do some laps for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the first four games is going to be huge, I think. And then I think, you know, it's going to be it's going to be telling. It's going to shape the, 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 you know, the rest of the season, I think. You know, if we get off to a good start or bad, depending on how it ends up, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just confident that we'll be able to uh, mm-hmm. get under, you know, under our opponents with Jimmy G's knowledge mm-hmm. of the system. That's what I'm really confident in, honestly, yeah. you know. And hopefully, you know, it all pans out. But, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to switch it over real quick. Uh, born and raised in Vegas. I'm really pumped for our nights, you know. Mm. Never had pro sports up until the nights. The Raiders, thank God. I've been a Raider fan since 2000. So I'm just happy at, with, the, you know, mm-hmm. the Vegas sports culture growing. I'm yeah. really excited, JT. And I want to thank you for your time. Man. Thank you. Appreciate the well. call, Ron. Thank you very much. You know, again, you don't have to be a Vegas Golden Knight hockey fan. I'm just acting, asking people to acknowledge that they're in the Final Four. They're in the Final Four before anybody else, right? They're in the Final Four. They just knocked out a team. They're waiting on the crack in Dallas. And the other two teams on the other side are pretty good, but it's not Boston. The day that Boston got eliminated, I told everybody on this air, I said, Boston's out. We can win the Cup. If Boston was still alive, there is no chance I think we can win the Cup. I'm serious. I would have rooted for them. I would have did the same show, but I, I don't think that Vegas could have beat Boston in a seven-game series. No. No way. And they got eliminated. Fluke. They got eliminated. So now Vegas is better than all these teams left, I think, on paper and on the ice. That's why we're counting down. Vegas has to win eight more hockey games to drink from the cup. Let that sink in. They got to drink. They could drink from the cup with eight more wins with home ice advantage. Oh, my God. That doesn't come around much, man. That does not come around. And they got days off leading up to these eight games because of the way they're playing. 
So that's uh, what we do as we start. I want to come back. I want some phone calls ready on the Raiders' schedule. I'll tell you what I think is the toughest patch and how the Raiders can, as they say on NFL teams, Hank Stram, how they can matriculate the ball downfield in the schedule and maybe get hot. Where do I think is the hot spot of this schedule where the Raider Nation can unite? Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Resorts World Las Vegas, the newest property on the Strip. Yes, thanks to Scott Sabell and Resorts World. You also heard the Grimaldi's commercial. I think you hear that a billion times a week, or is it a couple hundred million? A billion uh, took mom and dad to Grimaldi's yesterday in Boca Park, Mother's Day. Uh, we ran an errand, and then we went by. My dad could go to Grimaldi's every day. He loves it. He's an old-school New Yorker, and he loves that pie. He says that pizza as good as any he's ever had, and he's had great pizza. So we did that yesterday. I want to wish everybody a happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to everybody who's out there. My wife is a warrior. My wife on Mother's Day, on Mother's Day, drove 18 hours, 18 hours with my son from Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma, to Las Vegas. I flew home with my mom and dad to do radio and uh, at the MC, the MGM event last night at the Park MGM. My wife got in the car with my son, who graduated Saturday, and they had, they had a big Saturday night, wink, wink. You know, after graduation, that was not an easy call. And uh, she is the mom, the warrior of the year, and she drove. And they got out of, they got out of Dodge at like 1030 in the morning, and they drove and got home at 230 in the morning last night other than stopping for four tanks of gas. So round of applause for my wife, the mother of the year. Uh, to do that, she likes to drive. She's a long-haul driver. I'm not. You know, I drive Demond. I drive like an hour and ten minutes, and I start to get, you know, get where's the coffee, man? I'm, I kinda, the, wheel, the wheel starts to go an hour and a half. Uh, my wife can do eight, 12, 10 hours at a time, stopping for gas, and she gets stronger. Oh, I'm the same way with you, JT. The drive up to Zion National Park. Yeah. Went with some buddies and I drove, yeah. and that drive like tired me out. And maybe that's four hours, but the, even the drive to LA, my limit is four hours. If it's yeah. longer than four hours, I don't want to go. Yeah, that's interesting. That's as much as I can take. Yeah, the, the drive because I've made my career w- with long haul truckers listening to me. I've I've been the guy at night on the radio in the middle of the night sometimes, or the long haul truckers or the guys calling because I help keep them awake. And I can't tell you how many people have ended their phone call with me over the decades saying, hey, thanks, JT, you're keeping me up. And they meant it because they're driving. Man, this country is based on truck drivers moving commerce and product. Okay, it's not the airplanes all the time. It's the truckers. They do an unbelievable job. So, again, my wife made that drive on Mother's Day. I didn't see her at all on Mother's Day. To all the great moms out there, I hope you had a great day. If you had the Golden Knights winning, on Mother's Day, and you had a good day. You went to brunch. You did something with your family. Thrilled. Thrilled for all the moms out there. And I, I'm just overwhelmed. My mom is here with me. My mom and dad flew from Naples, Florida, to Oklahoma City. And then they flew for us for, with us from Vegas, and they're here for a week. So I'm going to see my mom and dad uh, the next couple of days before they fly back to New York for one of their other seven grandkids' graduation. My nephew's graduating from Oneonta State University in upstate New York on Saturday. So my parents are going to knock out two of their grandsons' graduations, with the, which are great. And I also want to thank Lon Kruger, DJ Allen, and Dan Rush, who all had an impact at Oklahoma with my son and his mentoring and uh, going there. So that's all cool, ready to roll as we get going. So let me get to the schedule. 
couple of things with the schedule. According to the preseason schedule, that they don't have the date set up, it's to be determined, the Raiders open up here in Vegas against the Niners. Then they're at the Rams, and then they're at the Cowboys. So they have two road games, only three preseason games, before they open up at Denver and then week two at Buffalo. So they're not going to be in Vegas till September 24th. Between that Niner game to be determined and the Pittsburgh Sunday night football, which will be the last game of that week, when you look at that week and how that's going to play out Sunday night, the Raiders are going to be out of here for a while. So I was talking to some fans about this, about how they have to be battle-tested. There's no chance to be battle-tested in the preseason. Okay, Playing at Dallas and playing at the Rams doesn't mold your character because a lot of the guys don't play there. But one of the things we're going to get to later on this summer is what the Raiders need to do in the preseason. Garoppolo is the player. There's two players that can't—you don't want anybody to get hurt. But the players who can't get hurt are Jimmy Garoppolo, Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby, and Devontae. Okay, you don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't want this taken out of context. Does Devontae need to play in the preseason? I would like to because him and Jimmy G can get some chemistry going. You know, first quarter, first drive. Why not? Oh, if one gets hurt and pops a hamstring, then they're out. Well, you're right. But that could happen during practice. That could happen in practice. But I don't know what Josh McDaniels is going to do. I have no idea how much he wants to work these guys in the preseason. Because he's a he, Josh McDaniels is a grinder, man. He likes work. He's like Gruden and other coaches. He wants to be on the practice field, man. They're not in pads enough. So you open up at Denver, you open up at Buffalo. Problem with the Buffalo game, I would think that that would be their biggest underdog role of the year other than Christmas at Kansas City. And at Kansas City, the Raiders are familiar with Kansas City, so I don't know what that number is going to be. But at Buffalo, depending on what the Raiders do in week one, Buffalo's home opener, Raiders could be, and anybody who knows that, they, I'm sure they have the point spread out already, but that game could go off 9-10 Buffalo being a 9-10 point favorite. It'll be over a touchdown. And I think that'll be the toughest game of the season. The two toughest games of the season, no debate, is Christmas at Kansas City and Week 2 at Buffalo. Those are the two albatross games that if you're going to put a win in the win column next to, you got balls. You got balls if you're going to do that. But you're Raider fans, you do. The other games that concern me, that concern me that I think, okay, this is a game that the Raiders better be careful with. Uh, That game is going to be at the Chargers week four. It's a Raider home game in L.A. By then, it's not the first game of the year. We'll know how these teams are looking and how healthy they are. I think this is the most important game since the Raiders have moved to Vegas in that rivalry. Because that's I think that game could be a make-or-break game for the Raiders. That could get the Raiders to 3-1 and or 2-2. and Did you hear what I said there? Because I think they can win at Denver. I think they can win the home opener against Pittsburgh, Sunday night football home opener, but there's going to be a lot of Pittsburgh fans that want to get in. The Charger game at the road in week four to knock off the first quarter of the season is a massive game. That's going to determine a lot. Then the Raiders have another game, Monday night football against Green Bay. I have to assume they're going to win the game. You don't assume anything, but I'm a radio host. I can assume stuff. you got to win that game. And then the New England game where the Raiders won last year, I think the Raiders will win that game, and then I think they'll win at Chicago in Week 7. I'm expecting Chicago to be better. Justin Fields could be really good. But you got to stretch the second four games, home against Green Bay, 
home against New England, at Chicago, at Detroit. You've got to win that bracket. I'm breaking it up into four brackets. Bracket one, if you can go two and two, you're in great shape. Bracket two, you can go four and oh, or three and one. Two and two is the worst you can do. You got to split that at a minimum. And then the third bracket is home against the Giants, home against the Jets, at Miami, and then Christmas in Kansas City. Excuse me, no, that's that's the November 24th game where we get Kansas City at home. So there's three out of four games at home. The only road game is at Miami. That's another thing here where I think you could win three out of four or maybe split and go two and two. Then the bye week, Minnesota at home, you got to win that game. Sorry, everybody, you got to win that game. Thursday night football comes right behind that. Do you believe the Raiders, DeMond, play at home, home on Sunday versus Minnesota? And then when you look at the schedule, Thursday night football, a couple days later, you're home against the Chargers. That's going to be the make-or-break portion of the schedule. Make or break. That's going to be where the schedule is manageable. You can get hot and win two in a row, or the season could be in trouble, and you have to win those two. At Kansas City on Christmas, home to Indianapolis on Christmas, uh, New Year's Eve, and then Denver at home. At home. So you're at Kansas City, at Indy, home against Denver. And, you know, we all hope that that game means something. Right, you hope that game means something against Denver. You hope the game at Indy and at Denver, uh, at home at at Indy and home to Denver, Demond means something. You don't want to get to the end of the year and you're out of it, and those games don't matter. Yeah, but looking at the schedule, I know every Raider fan thinks that Denver at home should be a win, and also the Colts. I mean, we don't know if Anthony Richardson, we don't know what he's going to look like. So I feel like no matter where they are in the, the season. They should be looking at we can at least get those two wins to finish off the season. So whether that be hey, that last playoff push or however they're sitting, those last two games, when you do the win-loss on your schedule prediction, those are two wins for me. Yeah, I think Captain Obvious is going to be here that I don't want to see the Raiders get buried early and then have to win eight out of nine. Got to win seven out of nine. You got to win the last six out of eight to get in. I don't want to see that. Billy! Billy here in uh, – Billy's not here. We'll, we'll come back on the other side. Is Billy available? No, Billy's gone. Okay, Billy's gone. Uh, 702-365-9200. You never want to call this show, get on hold, and not be there. See, I'm a veteran there. See how I caught that? Because you don't want to do that. You don't want to see a caller on hold, especially in a town like this where there aren't many. You want to get the callers up on hold and you want to get to them. So that opens up a line for you, 702-365-9200, as we continue on. Uh, when we come back, John Morant – Hangs out with thugs. What is JT in the third person's definition of a thug? I'll give you that when we come back on the other side. And that's that's a big topic happening right now. John Morant could be out of the NBA. How long? I don't know. I just hope he makes it to the next season. I just hope he makes it through the offseason the way he's behaving. We'll get into that next as we continue. JT in Vegas on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria, home of the famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza. Welcome back, everybody. JT with Demond today as we continue here for about the next hour and 10 minutes before Q is up at Aces Media Day today. 
So he'll be joining us. We'll have an update on all that. A lot of news here in Vegas, in town. Vegas Golden Knights advance to the conference finals. We are also evaluating the Raiders' regular season schedule. First time I've had a radio show since it's been released. And we want your judgment on the schedule. I don't, I'm not sensing anger in the Raider Nation. I don't, I'm noticing a lot of fans aren't freaking out. Not a lot of fans complaining about it. I think the big argument would be two on the road to start off the season. That's hard. That's hard for a coaching staff to get through the preseason and know they're going to be going on the road for two business trips right out of the gate, September 10th and September 17th. A division rivalry at the Broncos with Sean Payton's first game ever. So that is the home opener for the Denver Broncos and the home opener for the Buffalo Bills. Those fans are going to be in the tailgates going crazy. That's their home openers. So those fans are going to be alive and ready to go before the Raiders open on Sunday night football, and that'll be against Pittsburgh. And, yeah, I'm expecting Pittsburgh fans to be in our building. Hopefully not a lot, but we know what's going to happen there because Pittsburgh fans are going to have the ability to stay over till Monday. So they're not, that's not a Sunday early game where they can get on a flight back to Pittsburgh and get to work on Monday and get going again. Those are fans that are going to be booking a hotel room to Monday, and they're going to be in and around Las Vegas from Thursday, Friday, the week before. And, and they travel well, right? Those are the Steelers. They, the Cowboys, the Steelers, the Raiders, the Packers, there's only about six or seven teams in the NFL. Clearly Kansas City's traveling well now for obvious reasons. They've won two out of the last four Super Bowls, so they're able to travel too. But there aren't many teams that can travel like the Raiders. And the Raiders have an advantage, hopefully playing at home, only if their fans hold on to their tickets and don't sell them to Steeler fans, Niner fans, Kansas City fans, and all of that. And hockey, I'm excited that the hockey team is alive with all the momentum in the world. You know, I'm a big momentum guy, a big momentum guy, and you can't complain about the momentum. March so got a natural hat trick. They got three goalies who can play. Hill's playing on his head. He's playing well. And the rest of this team is going to get some time off as we get out to Billy in Las Vegas talking about VGK. Billy, what do you think, man? Did you think they'd get this far? How are you? I am well. Thanks, JT. Uh, you know what? They, it's been a fun, surprising ride. I think uh, they don't fare well when a team gets real physical and intimidating because that's not the game the Knights play. But uh, to your point, the goaltender, Hill, is seeing the puck like a beach ball right now, and the whole team feels his energy, and uh, they're playing better with a lot more confidence because of it. Billy, how do they get everybody going? Eichel gets going for a bit, then Marceau gets three, waiting on Carlson. Riley Smith got a big one early to wait. They got a bunch of snipers on this team. Not all of them are going to be clicking all the time. There's going to be one that carries the other. Stone played well early. Who's got to step up in the conference finals and take their game to the next level? Big boy Billy Carlson. He's got to take it another level. I think we got to see a little more action from Peter Angelo, without a doubt. And <laughs> Shea Theodore. Shea yeah. Theodore hasn't been himself pretty much all year. Here's a, he was an offensive powerhouse in 2021. Then this year, we don't know what happened. He was on the ice last night for minus two on his stats. He's got to pick up the pace, or you bring in somebody. I mean, there's other guys that have really played well enough to earn that spot from him. Last one. It's big. What should this town do to catch up to hockey towns around North America who understand the magnitude of the schedule here? How fortunate should we be in Vegas with home ice in the conference finals? 
Wow, incredible, grateful. I mean, this is this isn't going to be overlooked. I hope so. Pack the bars, pack the stadium, the park out inside. But I'd rather see the Knights play Seattle mm-hmm. than Dallas. They just match up a lot better, and Dallas has DeBoer that knows the team in and out, their weakness, strengths for, for the most part, but also they're a big, physical, intimidating team. They threw the Minnesota Wild around like ragdolls. Thank you, Billy. Appreciate the call. Everybody knows that voice, the legendary Billy Cancun. Billy Cancun, longtime hockey guy, checking in on the show. That's a nice surprise. Hopefully we hear more from Billy, who knows rosters better than I, I think anybody in this building. That's for sure. He made an interesting point about teams trying to bully and intimidate Las Vegas verbally and doing it. Anything, just going by their bench and chirping. Edmonton did that. Evander Kane is the type of guy who likes to do this, and Vegas backed it up. Vegas backed it up and did a great thing. Hey, before the top of the hour, I just wanted to mention John Morant. John Morant was seen in another streaming video with a gun. Uh, The Memphis Grizzlies star is playing himself out of this league. So I use the word thug five times a day. I'm very comfortable with the word thug because it has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with people who intimidate others, bully, endanger others, or violent thugs. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. I'm very comfortable using that word. John Morant is fascinated with street life. He's fascinated with guns. He's fascinated with gangbanging. Now, he's not a gangbanger because he makes a couple hundred million dollars in his salary, but he's fascinated by that world. So I don't blame the movies. I don't know what movie he watched in the past, or I don't play music. Some people say it's the influence in the background of the rap music and violence. No, it's not. He's a grown-ass man. He's a grown man. He should be able to say, hey, I can listen to rap music. I could watch violent Movies about street life, I can play video games that depict violence in street life. But I don't have to live it in my real life. So John Morant is playing himself out of the league. As I tweeted the other day, it's a privilege to play professional sports. It is not a constitutional right. The Supreme Court won't hear your case that you're not in professional sports for a reason. It's a privilege, and he's losing that privilege. Here's Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN talking about the developments since that video surfaced. If what appears to be a gun in that video and the league finds out that this is not a doctored video, that this isn't some sort of enhancement, you have to say that first uh, because we're, we're assuming we, we know what it appeared to be with our eyes. But if that is indeed a gun in his hand, uh, he's facing a significant suspension to start next season. I think the feeling all around the league, I think with the Grizzlies, with the league office, with other teams, that, you know, Adam Silver, uh, there was some leniency in that eight-game suspension with John Morant, that he met with him in the league office, he took John Morant at his word, uh, that he was contrite, that he understood that his behavior had to change. It wasn't just the gun incident in the bar, in the club in Denver, it had been a pattern of incidences with John Moran that the league had spent better part of a year plus investigating that there was a, a pattern of really disturbing uh, behavior that concerned the Grizzlies, concerned the league, and that an eight-game suspension, it was really just two games retroactive, that he let them off fairly easy. I don't think that's going to be the case 
this time. I think John Moran is facing a lengthy, a significant suspension to start next season, if indeed uh, that was a firearm in his hand in that video. And I think there's going to be some pressure, I think, even from other teams around the NBA that this isn't just harmful to the Memphis Grizzlies and their organization, but this is harmful on a league level. And I don't think Adam Silver is going to take this one lightly. I expect there's going to be real real consequences uh, in, in this case. The league can't afford to have a bunch of NBA players rolling around with guns. They can't have it for the image. They can't. So the league has the right to kick the players out of the league for this. When this initially happened, I was one of the first people to talk about it because I was live on the radio the night that he didn't play his first game. And I recall that show. What I said was similar to the kid, if he doesn't get fixed, is going to lose his life in a gun battle because he doesn't know anything about guns. He's just acting in a strip club and in a car like he's a gangbanger. Well, one of these gangbangers that he's depicting is going to take him out or try to do something or he's going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time because he hangs out with a bunch of losers and thugs. I mean, it's pretty easy to put this together. This isn't a guy pretending to do this. This is a, someone that is doing this. So it's tremendous bad behavior because he has an image and he's throwing away, I don't want to say $100 million because he's going to get his contract. He's probably throwing away $30, $50, 60000000 million in sneaker endorsements and all the other endorsements that come from being an elite player. He is the closest player I've seen talent-wise, not with his head, he's a knucklehead, talent to Kobe Bryant. He reminds me of Kobe at 22 years old when Kobe was tomahawk dunking and playing and scoring 40 points. And this kid's going to throw it all away because he can't afford to say goodbye to his thug friends. Easiest thing to do, move to another city, say goodbye to your friends who are bad guys, and act like a professional in the NBA. Act like a pro in the league. He's not ready to do that yet. All right, that's one hour down. One more to go, 702-365-9200. We're brought to you by Resorts World, the newest and most expansive and best property on the Vegas Strip.